All right, good songs there. Thank you. Hope you're well tonight. And uh, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And just a couple of things before we get into the message. If you would please, we're going to have some time of, of prayer tonight. If you could just, um, during your prayer this evening, please uh, take some time to pray for um, for Shiloh Byer. Who does? Who knows Pastor Kevin Byer? Who knows? All right, many of our church folks. He's a good friend of mine. Been uh, pastoring, was pastoring in Kingaroy, started to work there, and um, recently has been pastoring at Queen Bean Bible Baptist Church near Canberra. But uh, a couple of months ago, uh, well, probably a year ago now, uh, his wife Shiloh was diagnosed with cancer and uh, went initially had some treatments and went through the, the normal treatments and then it, it didn't quite work so they went and did some alternative ones and, and that hasn't, um, hasn't worked. It's, the cancer's really gotten worse and um, it's just sort of spread everywhere. And uh, I know that they've reached out to say, hey, tonight could you pray for, for Shiloh? And uh, just pray for them and pray for Pastor Kevin and then also just uh, pray for their kids as they, uh, they go through this time. And uh, I'm sure they'll appreciate that. But he's, he's been a good friend of mine for, for many years and just really uh, a feeling for them tonight. Um, but just pray for them. And uh, good, to, good to have uh, Pastor Saka here. And I uh, got to spend time with him uh, yesterday and had lunch with him. And um, I tried to pay for lunch, but he beat me. He's, um, he beat me to it. But I appreciate his, uh, his good spirit and really had a good time just, uh, just spending time with him yesterday. But um, tonight we get into the Word of God and we're going to look at something that uh, really we experienced a little bit in a physical sense on Sunday. And I, I asked um, how, uh, how Brother Glenn Anderson is going. For those who are praying, please continue to pray for him. He... Uh, got discharged from the hospital today, and they had to put in a pacemaker. There was a, a heart uh, problem that they found, and um, and I think what they ascertained was his heart did stop during the course of, of our Sunday morning service. Um, but, you know, initially when I was preaching, I, I noticed that he had slumped forward and he had fainted. And that's a scary situation if you've ever seen someone faint. And I appreciate the men who um, quickly acted and, and assisted uh, Brother Paul and, and Laurel and uh, got him situated so that they could call the, um, take him to hospital and, and get him checked out, but continue to pray for him. But it's a scary thing. You know, I was um, up here trying to uh, continue to preach and, and not try to, try to alarm everyone, but as I was watching that unfold, my heart was just beating, you know, a million kilometers an hour, not knowing exactly what was happening and we understand that when someone's fainted that there's a real situation there. Uh, I remember um, a couple of years ago uh, Azariah and I were just walking through the shops and she was expecting, um, I don't remember, was it Jaden? And uh, we were walking through her favorite shop so you know that, that took longer than, than it normally does so we were walking for quite a while and just all of a sudden she started to feel faint. And of course, you know, she's expecting, and, and we, we sat there for a little while and had to call, uh, we're starting to think we needed to call some, for some help. But we were alarmed, obviously, when we see those who would faint. 
And, and that's a subject matter that actually Paul is addressing in a spiritual sense here. And if you really think about the book of 2 Corinthians, it's not just a response to the events of 1 Corinthians. Uh, really, Paul, in writing this, this is probably one of his most personal letters. Uh, the situation was that he had delayed his coming to Corinth, and as a result, there was a, a bit of questioning of his, of his position. They were a, a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, frustrated at Paul that he couldn't come as he had originally planned. And so he's writing this really because there were rumblings in the church and there were those who started to become critical of him, even started to question his apostleship and, and why he was doing this and why he was doing that. And you imagine Paul, who had invested so much of his life in, in, in the lives of these people and, and so many of the, the early, early church, you imagine the, the heartache he would have felt and, and just the burden that he would have felt at, the, at all of the things that was happening in Corinth. A lot of the things that he was hearing that had started to become even personal attacks on him. And you no doubt... Would have could really could really sense as you read through this letter, his 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 um his writing to them to compel them to help them understand where where his heart was for them. And yet, in, in all of that, and and I think just just when when things in life come at you, there's a real weariness about that, isn't there? And I think as we as we get in into the latter part of this year. No doubt you're, you're just, in a general sense, feeling the weariness of the year already. And, and perhaps in your own life, there's been a lot of things coming as you've tried to do something for the Lord. And, and, and by the way, that often comes with the territory, doesn't it? You know, if you, you want to go out and do something for God, sometimes, sometimes it's in, you find yourself in a greater position of spiritual attack. Sometimes there's some things that just don't make sense and... And, and start, you start to feel a little overwhelmed and burdened. And that's what Paul was writing, uh, really, in, in that mindset. And, and so in, in chapter 4, he's really telling them, this is really his, his, uh, his declaration to them, that amidst all of this, amidst all of the situation that he found himself in, he wasn't going to faint. He says there in, in chapter 4, notice 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, For which cause we faint not? But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And he's saying the physical weariness of this, we, we, we feel buffeted. And he'll, he'll go through a little bit of that in the earlier part of the chapter. He says, yet the, the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And he's saying here, for which cause we faint not. He's saying regardless of what I'm hearing from there, and regardless of the fact that I've got to address it, and regardless of all of the other things that, that, that I'm caring for in regard to the church, all of this to say, I'm not going to quit, is what he's saying. Saying, we faint not. And he's going to give his reasons 
as to why he won't faint. Why, even though he's going through this time of difficulty, he wasn't going to faint. And, and really, when we consider that phrase there, fainting, or, or that idea of fainting in the Bible, it really has to do with, with really this thing of enduring and not quitting. When, when someone is fainting in the Bible in a spiritual sense, it's really just a, really just a, a sense of, of, of quitting in the moment. And the, the Bible tells us in Luke 18.1, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. He's saying the option there is, is to just give in and faint, or we just continue to pray. In Galatians 6.9, we know this, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so there's a choice there, and, and there's, a, there, there's not a, a skirting of the burden. There's not a, a, a denial of the reality that, that at times there, there, there needs to be an exerting of effort and sometimes a, an endurance to go through some things. But the choice at the end is to, to either faint or faint not. And so all of us here, we, we go through our own difficult circumstances at times. We just have the general weariness of each day at times, the grind of it. Sometimes it's there's specific things that happen that we have to address and we have to endure and we have to go through. And sometimes in all of that, we can be tempted to think, well, I've just had enough. This is too much. And it's that time where I think it's pertinent for us to be reminded about Paul's attitude in this, we faint not. And, and firstly, he mentions there in, in verse 16, for which cause we faint not. And there's a cause, and he, we know what that cause is in chapter, chapter 4. Look at the beginning of that chapter in verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. He goes on, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He's saying, I've, I've said some things to you, and I've not done that dishonestly. I've done that to, to handling the word of God and, and, and showing you the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. He's saying, you've seen me, you've, you should know my heart. And then he's going on about this cause. What is this cause but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And his whole motivation to keep going was that he was a representative of something greater. That he wasn't just this in this life going around and it wasn't just about him. There was a greater cause. And so the first reason he gives as to why he's not going to faint and why he's just going to continue is that the cause is too needful. This great cause of the gospel, and if you're saved here tonight, you're a representative. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we, we have a, a very great cause to think about and to represent. And he goes on in verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Says so the only reason why I care, the only reason why I'm in service to you is for Jesus' sake. It's for the cause. 
The only reason he's going to endure this buffeting and the, he's going to endure through the difficult times is because he has a greater cause to live for. And you know, we live in a day where sometimes our greatest cause is our own comfort. And sometimes that's all. And, and I, 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 there's times where we can get down in the doldrums a little bit and, and start to think a little bit myopic about our lives and we think it's just in that moment. But, but don't forget... Brethren, tonight, that actually we who are God's people, we have greater things. And there's greater things at play. And, and he's trying to tell them, you know, I'm, I'm not going to faint because it's not just about us. It's about the message. It's about the fact that we're representing someone. And the, real, the reality is fainting in the Christian life, when we quit and we, we throw in the towel, it really causes a ripple effect. When we faint, we then become ineffectual for the great cause of the gospel that, that is given to us. And I think about even how in, in David's time, when David came in and the, the soldiers were, were right there surrounding the, the valley where Goliath was and he was challenging them. And, and the Bible talks about how their hearts melted, their hearts were faint. And they looked at that and, and David came in. And, you know, David had a different attitude. He went to the fight. Why? Because he said this, is there not a cause? And sometimes the, the thing that we got to remind ourselves when we're going through a bit of a, a difficult situation is that what are we living for? Why are we still here on earth? Is there not a cause? And the cause is too needful. And, you know, the great reason why Paul said he wouldn't faint is because he has this ministry. He, he's received this mercy and it's this gospel that he's been given. You know, I think about even our Lord Jesus Christ, who the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Sometimes it's just a bit, a, a bit of reminder of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he had to endure. He says, consider, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And the mercy that we've received is the salvation that we've received through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the cause of the gospel, I want to remind you, is dependent on each and every one of us enduring at times. Each and every one of us in those difficult moments reminding ourselves about the cause that's needful. But then secondly, notice what he says in verse 16. He says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And the second reason he says, I'm not going to faint, is that there's, there's a means of renewal. He says, you know, we, we see and we observe our lives. We see that what we're going through. And he elaborates on that in verse, uh, verse 6. He says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And notice what he says in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And we understand the great value that we ought to have about the gospel. Then he says this, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. 
For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. He's going through the whole thing of what they're going through and for what cause and for what reason again. He's saying we're going through and, and physically there's things that we're enduring. Physically there's those things that, that are, are troubling and perplexing and the persecutions. And, and yet his, his response to that is that they're not perplexed. They're not forsaken. They're not cast down. And what that is, he's saying, is that physically there's things we've got to endure, but, but actually there's also a renewal that's happening in our lives day by day. And you know what that was? It was the inner man. And whilst the outward man perishes, and we know that, that as each day passes, we're getting older, there's things that, that we're starting to feel that we never felt before, there, there's a fragility of life that is, is, is inherent and obvious, but, but there's, a, there's also something that is in us that God has given that's there given to renew us each and every day. And that, that, that's the life that we find in Christ. This inner strength is found in viewing the life we have as in, as, as in the perspective of that we're in Christ. There's a, there's a need for that constant going back and tapping into the strength that we have in our Lord. You know, to renew it simply means to be reinvigorated, to, to renovate, to rebuild, to repair, to reestablish. And, and he's saying, though our outward man perish, all of the physical challenges they were facing, says our inward man, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. You know, so many times we, we try to just endure in the flesh, like it's just a fleshly discipline. But actually, endurance in the Christian life is more of an inward discipline. It's a walking in the strength of the Lord. It's a filling of the Spirit in our lives. It's an understanding that if we're not attached to the vine and we're the branches and we're not abiding the way we should, that actually then, then the, the, that fruitfulness and that vitality that should be in us is going to prove a lot more difficult. That actually it's, it's, it's incumbent upon us to be dependent upon the, our source of strength and our source of renewal and our source of hope and our source of, 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 uh, of knowing that the things that we're going through has a greater purpose. And there's a reminder that not fainting is a spiritual exercise, not simply a physical problem. Right? We, we live in a world where God has uncovered and helped us see that, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and, and all of that takes its toll. All of that can't be fought in the physical. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's got to be fought in the spiritual. It's got to be fought in that renewal of that inner man. And, and we find ourselves, even when we're battling well, coming to places where we just need to rest in Him. And, and that's really what he brings to light in verse 17. He says, for our light affliction, and remember we just read that list of the things he was going through, but he calls it light, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding 
an eternal weight of glory. You know what he's talking about? He's saying we're not going to faint, not, not just because there's, there's, a, there's a, a means for us to be renewed each day, but actually for us as Christians, there's an eventual rest. You know, we can rest in Christ now, but there's an eventual rest, that, that, that glory to come. In Hebrews 4.9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And, you know, we're called in this, this life to battle. We're called to build. We're called to, to work and labor. But, you know, we've, there's an active resting in the Lord, but eventually there's just going to be a resting up there. And I'm glad for that. You know, the, the problems of this life in comparison to the rest that we're going to have, and, and sometimes that's, that, you know, you think about it in a physical sense, sometimes that, that's what motivates us, right? We get through a day and it's, a, it's the hard slog and you're going through a, a, a really, one of those days is what we say. And, and you count down and you look at the clock and you, you tell yourself, just another hour. Just another couple of days. Right, teachers? Just another couple of days. And, and you're just going through and you're going, oh, the term's nearly over or the day's nearly done and there's going to be an eventual rest. Right? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. And we understand that, that actually in this sojourn of life, it's actually such a small sojourn in comparison to eternity. You know, sometimes we make much of little. And he's not underplaying all that he's going through. He's just named it all. But, but his perspective is that, no, I'm going to have an eventual rest. If just I just hold on a little longer, if I just trust a little more, if I just get renewed daily like I should, I'm going to get there. And there's an eventual rest. And there's a couple of contrasts he gives us here. He says, he says this moment. And then he compares that to eternal. Now, I want to ask you a, a rhetorical question tonight. Which one is more, the moment or the eternity? That's an obvious question. There's an obvious answer. And yet so many times we get held up in the moment. And we think the moment is going to be here forever when that's not the case. There's a contrast. You know, we ought to be mindful that what we go through now is not permanent. It's temporal. We live in a temporal plane. And the time we have here and all it entails, it's a fleeting moment in comparison to eternity, which is forever. And forever is a great time to rest. But then he also says that, that we have this light affliction. And notice then he says an eternal weight of glory. He's saying, which one do you weigh more? You know, in comparison to eternity, the things we go through in life is, is light. It's light affliction. But then we, all, we have all of eternity to be comforted. We have all of eternity to rest and, and see in all reality what life was about. And there's that contrast of light and weight. And if, He's saying if you had a scale, what you're going to find is what we go through here on earth is light in comparison to the weighty treasures of glory, to the weightiness of eternity. And the balance of whether we go on or not should tip the scale. It, it, that should tip the scale toward going on 
when we consider what eternity means. But then he also, he also contrasts affliction and glory. You know, we don't, often, we don't often consider affliction as a glorious thing, but so often God uses affliction to bring us greater measure of, of faith, greater measures of eternal perspective. And he's saying that there's that affliction and glory. But then lastly, he gives this reason. You know, he says, I'm not going to faint because there's a, there's a cause that's needful. I'm not going to faint because there's a means of daily renewal. I'm not going to faint because of the fact that, that there's an eventual rest. But he's saying here in, in chapter, chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, there's the unseen that bears us up. Saying, change your perspective. You know, the Bible tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. And sometimes the, the weariness of being bombarded with what we call reality, all of our senses and all the things that we see and all of the problems and all of the issues and all of that, they can come to the forefront of our minds and our hearts and that can consume us. But he's saying, well, we look not. He's saying, change where you're looking. He's saying that that's the scene. That the Christian life is not meant to be lived by what we see. We're meant to be living by faith. It's the unseen. And the Christian life is about actually more about the unseen. It's about that faith life. It's, you know, in the Christian life, what we see is never truly what it seems. There's more afoot. There's more at play. There's more to it. There's more to the unseen, not what we see. And I think about that story in 2 Kings chapter 6 about Elisha, the prophet who had a young man there and, and they suddenly found themselves surrounded by a, a great army. And the young man said, what do we do? And Elisha simply prayed, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened that young man's eyes and then he looked around and there was a greater host surrounding that army. And listen, you know, that's a reality for us still, may I remind you. You know, we don't, we don't often give credence to the things we don't see, but the things we don't see are far more important than the things that we do see. There's more. And God's working. And God's burying us up in our weariness. We simply have to lay our weariness on the invisible yet mighty hand of God. There's times where we're in our weariness and in our, in our temptation to faint that we've got to go, Lord, I, I don't see what you're doing here, but I choose to see your hand in it. And I choose to see you working to, to, to prop me up at times. And I think about Jesus' admonition in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 29, Come unto me, all ye that are weary, and uh, are la ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. All right, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn in me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And there's a restfulness that we can, we can lay uh, down uh, in the Lord. And there's, 
there's more resources actually. There's more in, our, in, in God's disposal for us than we can even imagine. It's all by faith. And sometimes when we are tempted to just say, you know, it's time to faint, there's actually more. There's actually more that you can lean into. And we feel like fainting. You know, we can be comforted to know that the invisible God sees you. And we can trust Him. And we can, by faith, continue to journey and walk. Why? Because there's greater things. Because, because in all reality, there's a, there's, a, there's a cause worth laboring for. There, there's a cause worth enduring for. There's the, the unseen. There's those things that, that are, are afoot that we need to just continue on. And, and I want to tell you that there's times where, just like Paul, we just have to declare why we won't faint and why we'll just keep going by the grace of God. All right? Brother Jewel, thanks.